The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Hey, welcome to MMA on the Rocks. I'm Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 52. Well, we are watching episode number 52 because we are live on YouTube right now. So if that's your preferred way of consuming media, you can find us on YouTube at MMA on the Rocks. Just put it in the search bar there, and then if you subscribe, they'll send you notifications whenever we go live. So we're trying the live thing out. Uh, we've gotten some pretty good feedback from it, so we'll keep it going until we hear otherwise. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, all the way from New Jersey, at Animal underscore Wilson, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, I hear the birds chirping in the background. Sounds like beautiful weather in New Jersey. How you doing this Sunday afternoon? Bill, I'm great, man. Like you said, the birds are chirping. Weather's getting warm. I can finally start thinking about going to the beach, and I am happy as a pig in shit right now. Yeah, that's great. Fitting, because, you know, you're in New Jersey. <laughs> so before we get into all the MMA action from over the weekend and the glory kickboxing drama that I definitely want to talk about, I have to wish a very special happy birthday, because my mom will get angry with me if I don't. And no, I did not forget my mother's birthday, but this past week, June the 7th, was the 77th birthday of Sir Tom Jones. Now, if you don't know who Tom Jones is, I don't blame you because nobody in our generation knows who Tom Jones is. But when I tell you who he is, you're going to realize that you do know him. He is famous in our generation for being the guy who sings the song on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air that goes with the Carlton dance. So it's not unusual to be loved by anyone. So now that you know who he is, to past generations, what Tom Jones is known for is having a huge dick and having women throw their underwear at him on stage while he's performing. To this day, women, he still performs. He's still lively as fuck. He has more energy than I ever had in my life. And women still throw their panties at him on stage. So the great Tom Jones turned uh, 77 this past week. And the reason I bring this up is because my mother's completely obsessed with Tom Jones. I had to listen to his records growing up nonstop pretty much. And I was exposed to a lot of his music and every year on his birthday, she would bake him a cake. And sometimes she would bake cookies. And a couple of years ago, she baked some cookies and they were just shaped like penises. And I, I had to question whether or not it was intentional because they, they were blatantly penis shaped cookies. And like I said, this is what Tom Jones is known for. He's known for you know, uh, packing a, a roll of cookie dough in his pants. Um, so I guess I'm getting a little too deep into how I was traumatized as a child, and I should probably be blocking these memories out. But in any case, happy birthday, Tom Jones. I know you're probably listening. So there's that. All right, we can move on to some MMA action here. So we had UFC Fight Night 110 last night from Auckland, New Zealand. It was headlined by the Super Samoan Mark Hunt and the Black Beast 
Derek Lewis, two of the most awesome nicknames in the heavyweight division. And this fight definitely lived up to the hype. It was a really exciting back and forth battle. Um, I thought there was so much tension in this match because both of these guys have such explosive power and you never know when one of them is going to erupt with it. So the whole time you're waiting for, you know, who's going to get caught. And I think people who bet on this fight going into the quote unquote championship rounds probably made a lot of money because I think a lot of people didn't see this one going past one or two rounds. That was a lot of the predictions that I was seeing going around the internet. Uh, rightfully so, because these guys power that can end the fight uh, in a heartbeat. Uh, so the fight ended with Mark Hunt uh, getting a TKO over Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis didn't drop to the ground, but he was definitely out of the fight. Like He looked like he couldn't go on anymore. To his credit, he stayed standing, and he kept taking the beating. There was no, uh, no disputing the decision of referee Mark Goddard stopping the fight by, by Derek Lewis or his corner. So they believe it was a fair stoppage. I believe it was a fair stoppage. Uh, it, it wouldn't have gone well for the Black Beast if that fight had continued. So an awesome main event to cap off a really awesome card. I mean, you, you really can't get a, a better bang for your buck, especially for a free fight night card on Fox Sports 1. So this was really an amazing card, an amazing main event. Jeff, uh, let me get your thoughts on this main event. Did it play out the way you thought it would? Not at all. Um, you know, I was super surprised. Like you said, I thought, and I think 90% of the people watching figured this was going to be over in two rounds just because of how much knockout power both of these guys possess. And Lewis, you know, we've talked about how his cardio isn't great. And Mark Hunt just fought smart. You know, he let him wear himself out and he was cutting him off a lot at the cage, making him uh, really retreat a little bit from him. And, you know, Hunt, he's just a smart guy, man. He's a good uh, technical fighter, which I don't think we give him enough credit for. I think that he fought the right fight and he got the result. Uh, I thought, you know, I was super shocked to see it go out of uh, out of two rounds. Yeah, I think what we had here is two guys who really respect each other's power and two guys who came in with really great game plans and, and stuck to them. Uh, I feel like Derek Lewis's game plan was to stay against the cage and kind of explode on Mark Hunt as opposed to backing Mark Hunt up because uh, backing Mark Hunt up can be very dangerous. Um, I was really impressed with Mark Hunt's head movement. Uh, you know, obviously he's he's a phenomenal striker, one of the best of all time in the heavyweight division, but the worst move his head so slightly out of the way of big explosive punches was so impressive to me. And, you know, Derek Lewis is a guy who has scary power and he had a lot of momentum coming into this fight. I mean, he's, he's putting some big names on his resume and, you know, it was a, it was a risky fight for Mark Hunt for sure. Uh, they're, they're ranked uh, pretty closely. I think they were six and seven uh, in the heavyweight division. So, you know, a win for either one of them would have been big moving them up. Um, after the fight and before the fight are two things I want to talk about. So before the fight, it seems the Black Beast had himself a black feast. <laughs> because um, they posted on Instagram, one of the other fighters on the card 
posted a picture. Uh, it was a selfie with Derek Lewis in the background. He said he he ate an eight piece <laughs> chicken <laughs> and a rack of ribs before <laughs> before going out to his fight. Now a lot of people are saying like this is probably why he started to fade. I think he started to fade because this was a heavyweight fight and uh you know it was it was in the fourth round so that's totally understandable there are not a lot of heavyweights who can who can go the distance who can go five hard rounds um the the last heavyweight fight i remember that was really competitive for five rounds was roy nelson and josh barnett you know those guys went the distance and they were still going hard in the fifth round but not a lot of heavyweights can pull that off um you know mark hunt was starting to fade a little bit too but you know, he kind of fights like a tree trunk. He kind of plants himself and, uh, you know, stalks, stalks away. Um, I, I get the feeling this wasn't the first time Derek Lewis had himself a rack of ribs before going out there and performing in the UFC. Um, I would say I have a feeling it wouldn't be the last time either, but the other point I want to bring up is after the fight, Derek Lewis kind of casually mentions, this might be my last fight in the UFC. And then when Brian Stan pressed him, he said, yeah, this is probably my last fight. Most likely will be my last fight. Pretty definitely going to be my last fight. Pan <laughs> <laughs> so, with everything he says, which is what makes him very funny and what makes him very unpredictable as a fighter because he has a great poker face. I mean, he was kind of keeling over towards the end of the fight last night, but you know, like we said, heavyweights going into championship rounds is is never a recipe for outstanding cardio. So, any thoughts on the before the fight and after the fight that I just broke down, Jeff? Bill, I hope to God that this is not the reality that we live in, where fighters are eating chicken and ribs right before <laughs> they're going on to the main event. <laughs> Oh, oh, well, I mean, if if that's what was working for him in the past, I, you can't really knock the guy for doing it. Like maybe he gets some kind of some kind of black beast fuel from, uh, <laughs> from you know, maybe it's like on one of these ketogenic diets where he has to take in lots of lots of meat, lots of protein, and uh, and lots of fat uh, to to generate some energy here. I mean, this this ketogenic diet is pretty popular. Um, you know, they, not everybody gets all their energy from bourbon like you and I do, Jeff. Yeah, but we're you know we're we're bourbon consuming machines over here. But um, but anyway, uh, real quick before I get on to the second part, um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Mark Hunt's footwork because he was looking light as a feather when he was hitting Lewis, man. Um, but anyway, in regards to Lewis's retirement announcement, um, you know it's understandable. Uh, he's up there in years, and he wants to start a family soon. He is getting married, I think, next week or in two weeks or something like that in Hawaii, which, you know, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, but, I mean, we talked about this time and again. You know, what do you do after you stop fighting? Yeah, for sure. And it, and they asked Mark Hunt about that in the post-fight press conference, and he said he doesn't think Derek Lewis will retire He's a fighter, whether he continues to fight in the octagon or not. You know, you're either a fighter or you're not. And uh, Mark Hunt had a lot of respect for Derek Lewis as a fighter. So after his last fight, he said he wanted to take some time off after he beat Travis Brown. And he had a pretty quick turnaround. You know, they, they brought him back in 
against Mark Hunt. So maybe he's just facing some exhaustion. Uh, you know, he's he's been very active, especially for a heavyweight. So that could play into it. And then he's got a lot of emotional things going on. I mean, he's planning a wedding while he's trying to do a, a fight camp. That's a lot for a person to, to kind of take on at one time. Now let's talk about Mark Hunt after the fight because he seemed very disinterested. He seemed like he had a lot of fun in there, which I think played to his advantage because every time we see guys enjoying themselves in the octagon, they, it tends to go well for them. But as soon as the fight was over, he immediately changed his demeanor. He seemed like he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be answering questions. And he turned very negative very fast. And uh, one of the most potent statements he made was that he was happy to fight a fellow heavyweight who wasn't on steroids. And all he's ever wanted was to have an even playing field. So we know there's a lot of drama there with Mark Hunt and the steroids after his fight with Brock Lesnar, and he started suing the UFC, which is an ongoing lawsuit. He's suing the UFC for allowing him to get in the cage with a man who he claims the UFC knew was on performance-enhancing drugs. Um, so Mark Hunt still got a couple of fights left on his contract, and the UFC has to be scratching their head like, what do we do with this guy? He's clearly unhappy. He clearly doesn't want to be with the UFC anymore, but he keeps showing up to work. You know, it's like it's like the guy that you can't really fire, but he, he keeps he keeps showing up with his briefcase and doing his job every day and punching out at five o'clock, you know, a little literally in this case. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to market a guy like that who doesn't really want to be there, <laughs> you know? Uh, so what are your thoughts on Mark Hunt, and what do you see next for him, Jeff? Yeah, I really don't know what you do with Mark Hunt at this point. I mean, like you said, he seemed like he was disinterested, uh, probably a little bit disenchanted uh, with what's going on in the UFC right now in his career. But, dude, I mean, the di the guy's good mm -hmm. at his job, man. I mean, they they gave him, you know, they basically put a target on his back, I feel like, by putting Derek Lewis in there with him, and he took care of business. So I really don't know what you do with him, man. Um I mean, I personally would like to see him fight Junior Dos Santos again. But, I mean, if this is his mentality and how he's yeah. feeling, I don't know if it's worth putting that fight together. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess we'll we'll see. There's a lot of things up in the air with the heavyweight division. Uh, we got to mm -hmm. see what's going to happen with uh, with Cain Velasquez. And now you're taking one of the top ten guys out, one of the younger guys in the top ten, because as we know, this heavyweight division has a lot of older players in it. A lot of them are on the, you know, the latter end of their thirties. Um, and Mark Hunt, 43. So you got to wonder how long that guy is going to keep going, but he seems to be like a machine. There's nothing slowing that guy down. Um, something, someone else who we thought would never slow down was Daniel Kelly, who uh, even though we thought he wasn't going to slow down <laughs> at his age, and uh, with his knees taped together and, and everything else, uh, Derek Brunson uh, put, his <laughs> put his hot streak to a screeching halt last night with a, with a knockout in the first round. Um, one of three uh, first round finishes uh, within the first couple of minutes on the main card. So Brunson looking very patient and not running across the cage chin first. Uh, like he's done in his last couple of fights, uh, which, you know, hadn't voted well for him. And he was very patient in his fight with Anderson Silva, but a little too patient. He wasn't pulling the trigger. He pulled the trigger last night, and he pulled it 
on Daniel Kelly's face and knocked him out uh, pretty violently. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Dude, um, you know, we, we were both pretty excited to watch this one. Um, you know, Daniel Kelly, he's he just beat Rashad Evans, and, you know, his knees held together with tape and glue. So, <laughs> you know, I know we're both fans of him. So to see Brunson just derail him like that, I was just like, fuck. <laughs> but um, <Yeah. laughs> like you said, uh, a lot of these fights were short, which sucked on the viewing end because then there was like an hour and a half between uh, like two fights at one point. Um, I Like I changed the channel to watch some soccer highlights. Then I turned it back and there was still no fight on. Uh, so that was a little uh, disappointing, I guess. But, you know, the UFC paid for the airtime. Might as well use it. <laughs> yeah, that's the price you got to pay for having exciting fights. I mean, that, that main card was ridiculous. I can't remember uh, so many finishes in a main card in a long time. And if they hadn't switched to the six-fight main card, uh, every every fight would have been a finish on the main card. But um, So the, the fight right before that, a really violent stoppage of Ross Pearson by Neil Pearson's mouth cold. House Pearson is the guy. You got to be concerned for him after that one because he's been in some fucking wars his last couple of fights. And he's been on the wrong end of some really bad decisions uh, in his last few fights as well. But, you know, he's... I think he's lost six of his last eight, if I remember off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure that's the number I looked up right before we started doing this. Um, Dan Dan Hooker, on the other hand, looked phenomenal. So, uh, you know, you got to be in the corner of this kid going forward. He looked great. Um, I, I thought it was a really good fight up until that point. You know, Ross Pearson was was right in there. He was, he was closing the distance, and he was, you know, trying to do what he had to do. Uh, and, you know, trying to have a smart game plan as well because he didn't want to uh, be on the wrong end of another bad decision. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. Um, this one was a little surprising to me at first just because Hooker has such a massive frame. I felt like I was watching a 145er fight a welterweight. Like, that's how yeah. big this dude is. They look like they were two weight classes apart. And, you know, Hooker seems to be a huge fan favorite in New Zealand, man. Uh, the crowd was going crazy for him. So it was great. And the dude can scrap, man. Um, you know, Pearson was coming in. He was doing a good job up until that knee came up from the depths of hell and knocked out his mouthpiece and, and you know, good stoppage from the ref. As soon as he saw Pearson hit the ground, he sprinted over like an end-line sprint, dude, to mm -hmm. break up Hooker doing any more damage. But um, I think that if you're Ross Pearson, I feel like the game has passed him by a little bit. Um, I love Ross Pearson. I'm a fan of his. But I think it might be time to hang up the gloves and, you know, look for a career in something else. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you hate to see. I, I mean, his last couple of fights were competitive, and like I said, you know, probably on the wrong end of some decisions there. But you, you gotta, you gotta feel for a guy who takes a brutal knockout like that. That's late in his career after having so many wars. Uh, another brutal knockout, Iwan Kutilaba, just putting it on Henrique Silva. 
this one was really brutal. Um, and Kutalaba really uh, getting into Silva's face at the weigh-ins. Uh, and usually that's the guy who you think is not going to do well in the fight. You know, he's being all um, animated because he's worried about the outcome in the fight. But that wasn't the case here with Kutalaba. He, uh, he put a pretty vicious beating on uh, Henry De Silva. So it's got to suck for De Silva to, to have a guy screaming in your face at the weigh-in, and then he comes and knocks you out in 22 seconds. Uh, that can't feel too good, but uh, Kutalaba's got to be on cloud nine. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, this one, um, I feel like even when they were announcing the names, I felt like uh, Kutalaba, uh, you know, he, he psyched out De Silva, you know, walks across the whole octagon and does the cutthroat thing like uh, – like Junior Dos Santos and Cain Velasquez, um, the third time yeah. they fought. But, uh, yeah, I think Da Silva just got psyched out, dude. And then Kutalaba just came at him like a rogue refrigerator, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All right. I, don't, I don't know what else he could compare him to. He's like a refrigerator with arms, except he's jacked. Yeah. Um, He's a big boy. Yeah, um, but yeah, Kutalaba just – I feel like if the ref hadn't stopped it when he did, I feel like Kutalaba probably would have ended De Silva's life. Like, that, that was vicious. Yeah, yeah. It was a – it was uh man, that, that was a brutal one. So uh, looking forward to seeing Kutalaba back in there. And, you know, he's he was hot and cold in his last couple of fights, but – it looks like he's he's got a fire under his ass right now. Young kid, 23 years old, so uh, looking forward to seeing him back in there again for sure. Uh, move down the card a little bit. Uh, flyweights, Ben Wynn and Tim Elliott. The flyweight division getting a lot of negative press lately. We'll get to that a little bit later. So Ben Wynn rocks Tim Elliott uh, with a head kick, I believe, and you know it goes to the ground where you would think Tim Elliott would have the advantage, and Ben Wynn was able to get his back and uh, sink in a rear naked choke while they were dry. And it's, you know, it's hard to slip out of that. Once the choke is under the chin and you don't have a, a good sweat going, uh, that's pretty hard to escape. And Elliot had to tap. His corner said after the fight that he didn't even remember getting put in the choke. So clearly the strike had something to do with it. In the beginning of the fight, uh, he was rocked. And then that led ultimately to the submission uh early in the first round not even a minute in what were your thoughts on this one jeff yeah i thought ben win is a perfect 10 dude um you know good fighter i liked what i saw from him i feel like this guy might be able to one day save the flyweight division and we'll talk about why it may be in shambles in a bit but uh moving on to the opener of this card was uh, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce these names right, Bill. Give me a chance here. Volkanovsky mm -hmm. versus Arota. Now, this yeah, was a pretty it. exciting fight. What did you think of this fight as the kickoff? Back and forth. Just to touch on the, the flyweights again real quick, Ben Wynn is pretty famous for – there's a viral video of him that went around the internet for a while uh, in a past organization where – he was fighting some guy who's covered in tattoos and, and colorful tattoos all over his face, like the like the lizard man. And he gets in his in Ben Wynn's face at the weigh-ins and, and like screaming at him and everything. And then Ben Wynn like knocks him out. The problem with 
with Ben Wynn doing well as a flyweight is you got another nice guy, really wholesome. He's very polite. He's well-spoken. And, you know, the flyweight division really needs that bad guy character. And Tim Elliott, man, I, you know, it was a quick finish for him, but I'm such a fan of Tim Elliott because he puts he gets in there. I'm looking forward to seeing him fight again. I would really like to see him move up to 135. Uh, I feel like it's such a harsh cut for him, especially doing it on it was it was a really rough man. Um, you know, guy too. Uh, you know, him and I went back and forth about uh, tra you know tranny hookers uh, in Thailand. Um, I'm asking you to fight. This one was awesome. It was. It was so back and forth, and you know these guys were were getting after it. It was it was really exciting. What, what was your takeaway from it? Yeah, dude, it was high paced the whole time. Um, it looked to me like Hirota didn't have as much as a uh, as much of a strength advantage as I thought he was going to because he looked like a bigger dude. You know, he's muscular. He's got the pug on his right shoulder. So mm -hmm. I was thinking that he might have a bit of a strength advantage, but Volkanovski, good grappler, and he went in there and took care of business. Yeah, yeah, Volkanovski in the UFC anyway, um, his last couple of fights were all knockouts, early knockouts, so we know he's got crazy power, and, uh, and last night we saw that he can, he can fucking grapple too. So a uh, big statement for Volkanovski. Um, uh, I'd like to see him move up in competition a little bit, but you know, Hirota's right in there too. Uh, another fight for him. He'll be back in the mix. Uh, somebody who came back from a long layoff, uh, Vince Pichel, who uh, is known for his wrestling, his aggressive wrestling and aggressive fight style. And Damian Brown, another aggressive fighter. Um, you know, this was two bulls charging at each other and, you know, one of them got the better of it. And that was Pichel uh, with a, with another devastating knockout. Uh, this was on the prelims. Uh, knockout in the first round. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? This fight was crazy fun, dude. Uh, Pichel, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but, you know, he's up against the cage. I'm thinking he's in a little bit of trouble here. And he lands this, like, right hook right off the cage. I don't know. He, I, Dude, I'm in shock. I'm, like, speechless because – he could not get power from his hips the way he was standing up against the page against the cage. I'm sorry. So he must just have natural power in his hands for him to have landed that hard of a shot without turning his hips in. So, you know, Brown went down like the clown, dude. It was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that punch ball, which, Funnily enough, is Pichel's nickname. He has it very boldly tattooed on both of his biceps, which is uh, very tasteful. So uh, <laughs> just to kind of go through the rest of this card, because I want to move on to other things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle off three fights, and you tell me which one stuck out to you the most. So Luke Jamo, the Jedi, against Dominique Steele, uh, John Moraga, and Ashtam Akhtarian, another flyweight battle, and Zach Otto, and Kichi Kunimoto, which one of these uh, jumped out to you the most, Jeff? Definitely Jumao versus Steel. I think that's one that if you missed it, you should go back and watch again because it was very entertaining. 
Yeah, definitely. And this was, um, you know, Dominic very wrestler uh, wasn't able to at a game I'm I'm kind of who bias uh, that seen a guy who's so determined to get the takedown and how exhausting it is. Brian, I really enjoyed the fourth of the dominate to the ground and standing and exhausting thing in MMA. So if you've ever wrestled or grappled, you know that getting a guy to the ground is by far the hardest part of doing that. So interesting back and forth. And, and obviously Dominique Steele started to fade a little bit towards the end of that fight because he was putting so much energy into those takedowns. But Luke Jamo looking really great, had some awesome takedown defense. Uh, I really love the way he kind of wizard under the arm of steel and pry the arm off. That was really effective when he was up against the cage. And yeah, so the rest of those fights, uh, you know, I thought the Moraga and Mokhtarian fight was really good too. That was really back and forth and, and a lot of scrambles in that fight, which is typical of the flyweight division. That was the kind of fight I was expecting from the Ben Wynn, Tim Elliott fight, but you know, it, it went the way it went. All right, so we're going to move on from UFC 110. Uh, I did not watch it, but there was some drama with this. It took place in Paris, and it had kind of a it kind of had a bizarre ending to a welterweight fight. So Myrtle Gronhart was fighting against uh, Haruk Gregorian, and Gregorian got a cut next to his eye, and he turned his back to Gronhart. Now, I've said time and time again, when a fighter turns his back, he's basically done. There wasn't really an exchange where he looked like he was hurt, that he turned his back. He seemed to turn his back for no reason. Hmm. When he did, Gronhart took advantage, landed a huge right hook to a guy who was not paying attention, not looking, but the fight is still going on. He didn't do anything wrong. The guy's just not facing him, and he landed a right hook right behind his ear, knocked Gregorian out cold. So... The controversy is not there so much. Obviously, you know, there was a little bit of pandemonium and excitement from the broadcasters when this happened. What happened after that is fans jumped in the ring on heart. And one fan was able to punch him and may have broken his jaw. Uh, Gronhart said that he tried to cover up, but, you know, a punch got through and hit him in the teeth and his jaw may have been broken. Uh, he said this, you know, a little bit later after everything kind of calmed down. Don't know what's going on in Europe right now. There's a lot of craziness going on over there. Um, but I, what kind of security do they have at this event where fans can just jump in the ring and attack a fighter? Uh, granted, you know, at the time when I first saw the clip, I was like, wow, that's fucked up. He, he hit the guy. I wasn't even looking. But then it's like himself he's in a fight what's he doing turning his back um so i i know you hadn't heard about this one yet jeff what's your to this melee that took place in paris last night well bill um when you were talking uh people couldn't see my reaction but my mouth hit the floor when you said that i was like holy shit dude 
that there's no explanation that is going to make me think that this is right. That is a horrible thing to do. Like these guys are athletes. They're getting paid to, you know, fight each other and be at the top of their physical performance and stuff. But it's like, dude, okay. Yeah. I'd be upset too. I guess if I was a fan of the other fighter, but he knows the rules, man. Um, dude. And, yeah. You got to uh, wonder what would possess somebody to jump in the ring and attack a professional fighter. Like, I mean, I, I can't imagine a scenario where a sane person would do this. I mean, I know you, you go and attend these live events and there's alcohol involved, obviously, and, and there's passionate fans in Europe. Um, we know that, you know, they have very passionate sports fans. That, you know, you're a big soccer fan, so you know how passionate the soccer fans can be. Um and it wasn't uh, – at first they thought it was somebody from uh, from the other fighter's corner, from Gregorian's corner, but uh, it wasn't. He, his corner even said, you know, Gronhart was in the right to hit him when he turned around. Like they said, you know, he, he had gotten a cut and he turned around and there was no explanation for it. And, um, you know, they don't hold anything against Gronhart for knocking him out when he turned his back because he shouldn't have done that. But, um, yeah, fucking – crazy uh you know wild west experience over in paris so if you haven't seen that just uh you know google glory 42 and uh hit the hit the news button and it, it should be one of the first links that comes up and you can see the video of that that whole debacle uh so i want to uh get into some fight announcements um platinum mike perry has a new fight scheduled with tiago alves and I was excited to hear this one. Um, Mike Perry, I guess, looking to uh, start the <laughs> Taking Out Veterans Tour. And I, I think this is a really great matchup. You know, we've got uh, power versus technique in terms of striking here. And, um, you know, we know what kind of power Tiago Alves has. Uh, he, looked, he looked really good in his last fight against Patrick Cote. And Mike Perry, of course, had the kill bow against Jake Ellenberger in his last fight. So, you know, he's coming in there with some heat. Uh, did you hear about this one, Jeff? And what are your thoughts? I did not, but I am very excited to see these guys go at it. Um, Tiago Alves, you know, he's slightly insane. His nickname is the Pitbull for a reason. And Mike Perry, you know, while we've talked about how he's not super well-spoken, he can fight, and I do enjoy watching him fight. So I am very excited for this fight. Um, I don't see this one going to the judges, Bill. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be an exciting one for sure. And, um, you know, I've heard Mike Perry in some recent interviews. He actually just uh, appeared on Blake's podcast, the Loaded Joe's podcast, mm. which is a great interview. I, I definitely recommend everybody check that one out. And he said that he was a little too tentative in the Alan Joban fight, and that he plans to be more aggressive in the future and and chase guys down if they quote unquote run away from him. Um, another fight that I don't believe is scheduled yet, but there's been a lot of back and forth on Twitter, Ally Akinta and Evan Dunham. And this one kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, they've been <laughs> they've been going back and forth. I, I recommend checking out Ayaquinta's Twitter feed and Evan Dunham's as well. Uh, it's it's been pretty it's been pretty interesting. I think I, I retweeted something from Evan Dunham last night. So I'll 
you know, like we were talking about that long delay because of all the quick fights on the main card. Entertained by Ally Quinta and Evan Dunham going back and forth. I like this fight. Um, I, I don't think it's it's going to stir up as much drama as Iaquinta probably could have at this point. Um, you know, if he got somebody that would go back and forth with him uh, a little bit more, because Evan Dunham's not a trash talker, but he was giving it back to Ally Aquinta on Twitter last night. It was pretty fucking awesome. Uh, what are your thoughts on this fight, though, Jeff? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, this fight, I would like to see it definitely. Um, Evan Dunham, he's fought guys like Donald Cerrone, uh, Joe Loza, and so this dude's got experience. And Ally Quinta is just an angry New Yorker, who, which you yeah. know, they'll they can kick your ass. So yeah, this will be a, this will be good. Raging out. That's why they call him Raging Out. All right. Um, so something I want to get into. We talked earlier. We touched on it about uh, drama in the flyweight division. So Demetrius Johnson came out on Ariel Hawani's MMA Hour. And basically said that the UFC has been bullying him and he doesn't want to fight TJ Dillashaw because he was offered a fight with Ray Borg, who, you know, Ray Borg's on a spectacular two-fight win streak. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to say, like, what's the right thing to do with Mighty Mouse here. Uh, Obviously, you don't want to hear about a fighter being mistreated by the organization, but... um, I hate to say I kind of side with the promotion here Um, for a couple of reasons. One, Mighty Mouse didn't even know how to pronounce Ray Borg's name. He kept calling him Ray Borge. He's like, yeah, I have a fight with Ray Borge, and uh, that's the one I want to break the record. He's just so concerned with breaking down um, the most interesting or exciting fights or being on pay-per-view. And if you want to compare to the greatest champions – in UFC history, which is what he's trying to make a case for. And he definitely can make that case. But those great champions like Anderson Silva, Jose Aldo, they took on all comers. You know, Jose Aldo fought anybody and never complained once, which is why he was so devastated when he couldn't get an immediate rematch with Conor McGregor, which, you know, by all rights he deserved because he was a company man for all his years. But Jose Aldo, I see as one of the greatest champions of all time. And Frankie Edgar came down to 145 to challenge for the title against Jose Aldo after losing two fights in a row to Ben Henderson. So on a two-fight losing streak, Frankie Edgar dropped down to a weight he had never fought at before to 145. Aldo didn't know if he was going to be able to make that weight or not, but he took the fight and he beat him. And, you know, he gained so much respect by beating Frankie Edgar, who's one of the greatest fighters in the world. Uh, same thing with Anderson Silva. They Anderson Silva was on a winning streak. They asked him to move up to 205. Hey, you're going to move up to 205. You're going to fight uh, James Irvin. Okay. Go back to 185. Okay. Go back up to 205. Fight Forrest Griffin. Champion. All right. No problem. Knocked him out in the first round. These are the things that make the greatest champions of all time. And I know I'm, I'm going on a little bit of a rant here. Um, it, it's because... I feel very strongly about this. I usually don't speak out against uh, any fighters at all, but uh, I feel like a lot of people were taking Mighty Mouse's side and look at all the facts. You know, the the other thing Mighty Mouse was saying is he doesn't know if TJ Dillashaw could make 125 pounds, which is a fair assessment, but if that's one of your points of contention for this fight, you also have to acknowledge the fact that Ray Borg has missed weight in two of his UFC fights. 
So you're taking the same, you're taking a greater risk with Ray Borg because TJ Dillashaw has never missed weight. Ray Borg has. And, you know, let's face it, Ray Borg is not going to get people to shell out 60 bucks for a pay-per-view. He's a great fighter. He's exciting. He's probably one of the only guys left that Mighty Mouse hasn't beaten. I think is, I think this is, and then, you know, the winner can fight Cody Garbrandt when he's healthy. It opens so many possibilities. Um, but I guess the main point of this little rant I've gone on is that if you want to be the greatest champion of all time, you have to be willing to fight whoever they want to put in front of you. And if, if the organization changes their mind, like, Hey, a better fight comes along, then that's what happens. You know, uh, you know, George St. Pierre is coming out of uh, a 10 year layoff and they were going to give him a title shot in a weight class. He never fought in because that's the fight people would pay to see. And, you know, Michael Bisbing was going to take that fight because he knows that's the fight people are going to pay to see. And, you know, I wouldn't put Michael Bisping in that category of greatest champions of all time. But I, I realize I've gone off on a really long tangent here, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I just had to, I just had to expel all of that and and get it all out there. What are your thoughts on this whole situation? Because I know you're a big, uh, big Mighty Mouse supporter. Yeah, Bill, I am a big fan of Mighty Mouse. But recently, man, he's been saying a lot of things I don't agree with. Um, because here you are talking about how you want to make money and you want to headline a card, you want a money fight, and then the money fight is thrown into your lap, and you're like, well, no, 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 I don't know if he's going to make weight, I really don't want to fight him, like, you know, you're going back against what you've been talking about, and like you said, the greatest champions, they fought everybody, um, I remember Anderson Silva fighting Dan Henderson, um, uh, Rich Franklin, I mean, come on, dude. Uh, you know, he took that fight at UFC 200 against Daniel Cormier, who used to fight at heavyweight. He's two weight classes bigger than you, and, you know, he still took the fight. Um, and that wasn't during a time where he was a champion or he was even on, like, a winning streak because he had just come off of two losses to uh, – to, uh, I forgot what the fuck his name is. Um, <laughs> the guy who lost to Luke Rockhold, uh, Chris Weidman. Chris, yeah, Chris Weidman. Um, so you know, two losses to Weidman, the the no contest against Nick Diaz, and he, you know, he gets in there, fights whoever they put in front yeah. of him. So I agree with you 100%, man. And I've lost a little bit of respect for Demetrius Johnson, which I hate saying that because I am a fan of his. But to see him basically saying, I don't want this money fight. I don't want this fight that will put my name out there because it's against a guy who, you know, TJ Dillashaw, listen, man, the dude can fight. And honestly, I wouldn't want to fight him. And I weigh almost a hundred pounds more than him, so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, he's a tough really... matchup for. Yeah, he's a tough matchup for Mighty Mouse and for for anybody for that matter. And you gotta kind of wonder, like, what's he gonna do? Go down to one twenty five, and if he wins the belt, is he gonna vacate it? You know, there's that whole problem. But we can burn that bridge when we get to it. Um, 
you know, I, I liked uh, Matt Serra made a great point. He was like, when I won the title from GSP, he's like, I didn't want to go and fight him in a rematch in Canada. He's like going to his home turf and do it. He's like, but I did it because I was the champ and that's the fight they offered me and I took it. And, you know, that's the attitude I respect, you know. And, uh, you know, maybe you and I are alone on this one, but I, I would really like to see, uh, you know, you know, play the system a little bit. You're a cog in a machine and it's a marketing machine and it's there to make money. At the end of the day, this is a business. And some of these guys understand it and they know how to manipulate the system and get what they want. And then other guys whine about it. And a, a lot of people kind of, you know, get on the whiner bandwagon a lot. And I, I try to see things from both perspectives. I try to see it from the fighter's perspective as well as from a marketing perspective because, you know, marketing and promotion is what made this sport as popular as it is. And that's why we have every single weekend you know we have another great card coming up next weekend singapore ufc fight night 111 and it's another free one and the reason we're able to have so many fights is because a lot of people the organization shit on his white when things are going the way people want them to go have to keep in perspective everything that dana white and the fertitas have done for this sport and brought it to the level that it's at today. Uh, of course, they wouldn't be there either if they didn't have fighters putting on the shows. So um, unfortunately, it sucks when there's this kind of tension between the, the contractors and the employers. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what it is. These guys are, are independent contractors and they're working for a company is to move up in that company. And it's not always being the best fighter that's the way to move up in the company. And I really wish a lot of these guys would, would kind of figure that out a little bit and, um, you know, kind of get what they deserve. Cause I, I do believe mighty mouse deserves to be on the highest platform. He's definitely skilled. And, uh, I hope to see that happen for him. I hope he gets some, some big money fights, um, that are on his terms. But, uh, if not, then I gotta, I gotta side with the people who are putting on the shows that I enjoy watching every week. So, while I'm watching these shows, last night, Jeff, I uh, I was watching the card on my laptop, and I brought it out on my balcony because uh, I wanted to smoke a cigar while I while I watched the fights. And um, I, I don't smoke cigars very often, but you know, every now and then I like to enjoy one with a nice scotch or a, or a bourbon. So I was sitting on my balcony with my laptop, watching the watching the fights, and I had a nice cigar, and I was drinking some Basil Hayden's. I'm holding up the bottle for anyone who's watching on YouTube. And if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else, uh, you can switch over to YouTube if you want to see this, or you can just Google Basil Hayden's. It, it comes in a, in a pretty cool bourbon bottle. Uh, it's like a wine bottle shape. So it's not the, you know, your more stoutly looking bottles. And uh, you can see it has like a pretty light caramel color to it. If you're watching on YouTube again, and it has like this kind of paper, a shirt <laughs> over it <laughs> that's you know kind of cool it's like a little suit of armor so i was sipping on some of this while i was having my cigar i would compare it to like a buffalo trace uh it's not as smooth as the buffalo trace so if you're not a regular bourbon drinker it may be a little bit harsh for you it's got some vanilla notes on the nose and uh it finishes with like a little bit of fruit flavor uh i was actually thinking about doing this 
I, I put it on some ice because, you know, I usually like my bourbon with just a few squirts of water as we talk about. But um, I put this one on, on uh, you know, two ice cubes. And uh, it, it kind of uh, takes a little bit of the edge off and smooths it out a little bit. Uh, I was thinking about rose and blackberries next, I th so I think that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy this. Uh, I'm, I'm having a glass right now. So cheers, everybody. Um, but yeah, like I said, a, a little bit rougher. So if you like a smoother bourbon, um, like a bullet or you know, like a buffalo trace, um, it may not be up your alley. It's got that little bit of harshness to it, but you know there are definitely ways to counter that. Maybe a, a capful of vanilla extract in there to smooth it out a little bit as well, give it a little sweetness. So Basil Hayden, um, sipping on some right now. Uh, Jeff, I know you're still working on that uh, Buffalo Trace. It seemed like it was hitting you pretty hard last night. We were texting during the fights. How are you feeling today? Yeah, I feel good. I rehydrated pretty well. So yeah, Bill, you know, our text got a little off the off the the rails there. Uh, excuse me one second. <clears throat> but yeah, we got a little off the rails. I mean, I was coming at you with some pretty good one liners, but um we were actually <laughs> yeah, if I ever run for if I ever run for political office, I'm gonna have somebody find your phone and have it destroyed. Just so you know, Jeff. <laughs> because yeah, that, yeah, we're uh <laughs> <laughs> when we're both getting into some heavy bourbon and, w and watching some violence, the, the conversations get a little out of hand. And uh, for anybody who's been listening to the show for a long time, you know that uh, when Jeff and I do the live episodes uh, while we're while we're sipping heavy, it gets a little uh, gets a little hectic. You know, we don't we don't have our typical professional broadcasting demeanors that you're so used to hearing. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, but um, uh, which is why you should uh, you should catch us on Twitter because if you follow us on Twitter during fight nights, you know we can tweet some pretty outrageous stuff and then uh, wake up in the morning and delete them all. So you got to catch them uh, in the moment. <laughs> but yeah, so you were uh, you were getting into that Buffalo Trace again, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I've uh, been a little bit busier with work, so I'm not drinking uh, as often as I'd like to. Uh, so once a week is unfortunately it, but. Uh, yeah, the Buffalo Trace, man, smooth as ever. I'm always putting some water in it to smooth it out even more. And I got through about a third of the bottle, so I still got some left for this weekend coming up. Um, but yeah, dude, it's an enjoyable one, so I'm taking my time with it. Um, I don't like to rush through drinks that I like. Mm -hmm. So the Buffalo Trace, I'm taking my time because honestly, Bill, at the end of the day, it's an alcoholic marathon not an alcoholic sprint that's right if you're gonna do an alcoholic sprint uh you know go get yourself some miller high life which you know nothing against miller high life it's champagne and beers um but that's the kind of thing that uh that you pound all day if you had a nice bourbon you want to enjoy it everything in moderation uh something that's not in moderation is all the ufc actions we got another fight night or fight day in this case coming up next weekend. I think this one is a daytime card. Uh, you guys correct me if I'm wrong on social media. This one's in Singapore. So it's on June 17th. I believe it's going to be a daytime event for us here in the United States, headlined by Holly Holm and Betch Correa. Uh, this is, I, I don't want to say do or die for Holly Holm, but, uh, you know, she hasn't had the best luck lately i mean she her last fight against jermaine durandamy was uh very unfortunate you know there was it was a controversial decision and 
really brutal loss for her, uh, especially because in two of the rounds she got hit after the bell. Um, so there, there's that fight. Uh, let's break down the main event, and then I'll, I'll throw out a couple of other ones that stick out to me. Jeff, uh, what do you think about this main event here? Um, I'm not super excited for it, just because I am more excited for some of the other car, other fights on the card. Um, but, you know, Holm versus Correa should be good. They're both tough chicks, uh, but I feel like Holly Holm has the advantage just because she's more of a technical striker, where Betch Correa kind of just swings wild, and it doesn't look too pretty when you actually see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, it's not very nice of you to say that she doesn't look too pretty, but <laughs> <laughs> um, let's uh, let's go down this card because uh, we we've got some exciting ones here. We got Tarek Safany and Javier Dos Anjos, and uh, Dos Anjos is moving up to welterweight, and he's not moving up to an easy test. Tarek Safany, boxer. Uh, you know, hasn't had the, the greatest showing uh, in the UFC. He's one of these guys who was, who was really outstanding in other organizations and came to the UFC and has been kind of hot and cold. But uh, I think this is an awesome fight. Um, I think it's, it's really going to fly under the radar with a lot of people, and it's really going to be a good one. Del Sanjos, uh, you know, always brings it. He came off and he had an awesome fight with Tony Ferguson his last outing. Now he's moving up in weight. That's exciting. Uh, I'm going to throw a few more at you, Jeff, and then you tell me, you know, which ones you want to tackle here. Andre Arlovsky, still, still around. <laughs> fighting, uh, Mar Martin Tabora, uh, Danyoung Kim on this card, fighting Kobe Covington, the 11-1 Kobe Covington. And then uh, Taganori Gomi, still, still here. <laughs> and then, uh, He's fighting John Tuck. And the last one I'll throw at you, we got Justin Scoggins and Yuta Sasaki. So that should be an interesting one. Justin Scoggins usually uh, brings a fight. We got uh, Bruce Leroy chilling at the bottom of this card too. So, it, you know, uh, at first glance, not the most dynamic card, but, you know, those are the ones that usually surprise you. So, out of the fights that I just rattled off there, Jeff, which ones stick out to you? I'll be honest with you, Bill. Super excited for Dos Anjos versus Tarek Safadin. Uh, Dos Anjos, I believe, making his debut at welterweight. I think this, I don't think he's fought at welterweight before, but he had expressed that he wanted to move up in weight. But the fight that I am very excited for, not to knock any of the other fights on this card because all these fights look awesome, Stun Gun, Dong Hyun Kim versus Colby Covington. I'm really excited for this one, man. Uh, Dong Hyun Kim, uh, good fighter, huge welterweight. Um, the dude looks like an underwear model. So I sometimes wonder if he's really a fighter, but he is, man. This dude is tough. Colby Covington, uh, young guy, very good record. He's going to try and basically take out Stun Gun in this one. And I think this is uh, one of the dark horses here. I think this one's going to be very exciting. All right. So you're looking forward to the huge dunk is what you're saying. Oh, yeah, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that being said, I'm looking forward to UFC Fight Night 111 uh, or Fight Day 111. I think it's going to be a daytime one. Correct me if I'm wrong. And if you want to correct me, you can find me, as always, at MMA on the Rocks on your favorite social media platforms, 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or you can go to MMAontherocks.com. You can send me a message that way. If you want to get a hold of Jeff, the Animal Wilson, you can get him on Twitter at Animal underscore Wilson. And as always, let us know what you're thinking and drinking during the fights. Please use the hashtag MMA drink team. Uh, we had a lot of people using it last night. So, And a lot of people watching the fights on laptops, which I tend to do just because I can move around. It gives me a little bit of mobility. I can bring it with me when I get up to get a new drink or something. But a lot of people taking pictures uh, with their beers in front of their laptops, which is awesome. Uh, so, you know, keep those coming. Uh, keep the recipes coming in. And if you try any of the cocktails that I recommend or, or any of the spirits that we talk about on the show, please take pictures and send them to us on social media. Um, here when people are taking our rest, our recommendations, good or bad, you know, let us know what you think about that. All right. So until next week, stay over the top and under the influence. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.